0: radioinfluence.com
1: Good afternoon everyone and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark to Light podcast with
0: Frankie Vale on the drums and
1: Beans It's Friday. We have a really really powerful interview today. We are joined by Jennifer Sharp. She is a filmmaker And not just any filmmaker, an award-winning filmmaker, um, somebody that you probably wouldn't expect us to be talking to. Um, I'm going to read her bio because it's impressive and I want you guys to hear it. It's it's great. Jennifer Sharp is an award-winning director, writer, editor, and graduate of NYU Tisch School of the Arts. She's directed two narrative feature films, which accumulated over 30 awards between them and achieved critical acclaim. Her narrative feature, Una Great Movie, was recently released on Amazon Prime, and her documentary, The Chasing of a Great Movie, won the 2019 Vision Award at the Roxbury Film Festival. And it also spawned a four-part docu-series, um, which is in post-production right now. She's done films for... She was the art director for A Haunted House 2, which I actually really liked (laughs) a lot, Um, and Warner Brothers Within. And she is an instructor of filmmaking at various institutions as well. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, it's you're you're coming from a place that I guess, you know, people um, in our neck of the woods typically hear Hollywood and think negative things. But you're you're a shining example of why that's not necessarily always the case. So I'm going to move on over and we're going to play the trailer for your your film. And then we're going to get into our interview. I received my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine on January 2nd, and within 10 days, I was paralyzed in the hospital,
2: and I am 19 years old.
0: I just felt something wrong on the left side of my chest.
2: My face was burning and tingling. I can't feel my face. The first time I said those words was 10 months ago. I had facial paresthesia and nerve pain all day long for the last five months. The last time I said those words was two months ago, but I'm one of the lucky ones. I went
0: to the emergency room probably 15 times throughout this two-month span after the shot.
2: And many people who've had this experience have been silenced because we're told that our story is not significant because we are merely anecdotals. You need to get vaccinated, you need to mask up, and if you don't, you are going to die.
0: The people who are not getting vaccines are believing the lies on the internet instead of science it's time to start shaming them what else or leave them behind if
2: we could all just stop having so many answers and listen with wonder and listen with compassion we need humanity back this is not political this is a human issue
0: i don't want what I'm experiencing to have some sort of political bend. I just want my story out there so I and others like me can get the help that we are entitled to.
1: Being vaccine injured, I've seen hate from both
0: sides. This is not a left issue. This is not a right issue. This is an American issue.
2: I'm asking you human to human, please do the right thing and help us. Vaccines are safe. I promise you, they are safe and effective. I would give my whole life savings if I could go back to January 17th and
0: never to have had to experience this in my life. The benefit of getting the vaccine far outweighs the risk. That's just a fact. The day I took my shot, I was functioning. I was healthy. I was happy. And four days later, I can't walk.
1: Ay ay ay. That's... <clears throat> So we've been talking about this for a really long time on the show probably from a lot earlier than most people. Um, Jennifer tell us your story first before we get into the film because you were personally impacted by this.
2: Yeah, I had um <clears throat> I had one Pfizer vaccine in March 2021 and just from that one shot I had paresthesia, numbness in my face. I mean the that, that night I got home and my left side of my body just started overreacting headache on the left side of my head only fever on the left side of my face like my left face was really hot my right face was just cool and normal um it was the weirdest thing I'm like I have a really bad headache but it's only on the left side of my head um it was sweating night sweats that whole night only on the left side of my body drenched the right side was dry um so I was having all this weird stuff I woke up the next morning I could not feel the left side of my face um, I had pins and needles poking. I had numbness left side. I had joints, my left ankle, my left knee swollen. So obviously having a reaction and then it lasted. Like I couldn't feel my face for about three months. I mean, it would come and go and we describe it like Novocaine. Like when you're coming out of the dentist and you can kind of feel your gums and you're like, oh, I can kind of feel it. It was like that, like the Novocaine. We all know what that means <laughs> who've been injured. we like, yeah, the Novocaine feeling. Um, and then I'm very lucky. So I this put me in a support group with a lot of other people who'd been injured. And very quickly I realized how lucky I was because there are people who couldn't walk, who become paralyzed, who had constant tremors, people whose you know, heart rate couldn't move or their heart rate went up, you know, or having seizures. So I the extent of it was like left side pins and needles paresthesia. And then here I am two years later. And I still have left side paresthesia that comes and goes. Like for example, this morning my left palm and fingers are, like, super itchy and on fire at the same time. So, and that's, but if that's the worst of it, that's okay. Like, I can handle that, except I don't know what that means. You know, obviously, I have nerve damage. Obviously, it's still, you know, happening. So, I don't know if five years from now or ten years from now, even, like, something's going to come up neurologically because of this. Because I'm definitely still having reactions, but I'm very functional. And I'm, so I feel like I'm lucky. I'm, So still two years. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to totally clear this. So and then from that, I joined a support group. I've met so many other people and we all have the same story where nobody in society will listen to us. Nobody believes us. No doctors know what to do. We're censored if we tell our stories um, and everybody wants to be like, oh, it's a public health issue. The vaccines are safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. Yet we're all like other people like really, really sick, lost their jobs. There's a surgeon in the movie, right? Who can't do surgery anymore. You know, yep. 15 years of school, surgeon. We had him on like, the show. I... Yeah. Oh, you're an yeah. Adult. Awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah, we did. Yeah.
2: So yeah, so that's that was my that was my thing. And then just to to update you to where I made the movie, I just basically was like, no one will listen to me. I'm an artist. You know, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. I've been making films, and I'm like, this is my responsibility to tell this story in a way that people will listen.
1: And you did. Um, the movie is you can show it to anybody. It's not, uh, one of those over the top sort of, uh, you know, throw everything at somebody all at once. Um, and you, you touched on a a lot of things in, in this film. One, one of the things that really, everybody came from like a different side of the aisle, right? Not everybody was on one side of the aisle or the other. So you really have a good mix of folks and you focus a lot on, um, testimony and, and thank goodness for Ron Johnson. Like how did you go about meeting all these people and getting them to speak? And then I want to go back to the censorship piece for a minute.
2: Yeah. So basically through my support groups, like there's a huge group of us. There's so many. So I knew where to go and talk to people, people we've been, I mean, it's heartbreaking. If I could share the Facebook group with you guys, which I can't, (laughs) um, it would just, it's heartbreaking. I'm seeing every day. And this is for the last two years, like every day, someone's like, I'm, you know, it's been six months. My life's never been the same. I'm curled up in a ball. I can't handle the, the tinnitus, the this, like, how am I going to live? You guys, I don't know how I'm going to live another six months like this. And then inevitably a couple of those people end up committing suicide. Um, So we, there's a big network. The problem became who was willing to go on camera. Uh and isn't that sad it's like you have a reaction and everybody's afraid to talk about it including me like it took me a full year to get mad enough or brave enough to make a movie about this because this movie could be very damaging to me because people are closed-minded and now i'm doing a quote anti-vax movie which i which i'm not but I mean, I'm not doing that movie. We won't get into my personal, (laughs) but I'm just saying, you know, but now that, right. So like, and it's weird now that I've made the movie, I'm still like really cautious about showing it to certain people and trying to figure out the right way. And I've never had that experience where it's like, I've made a movie and I'm afraid to share it. Yeah. So these people are injured and they're afraid to, um, come on the movie and be interviewed, you know, they're like, it could affect my job. I'm trying to find a job. is what someone said. I already lost my job. I'm in the middle of all this. I'm in pain half the time. Like, I can't risk another job that might hire me and then seeing this. God.
1: It's just terrible. Um, I cover a lot of legal in my work as a journalist. And one of the things that just absolutely crushed me um, as a person, was I was reading through the case Missouri versus Biden, which is a case where the gov- where the state of Missouri and a bunch of other plaintiffs um, are suing the government for censorship on social media. And there was one of the things that came out in Discovery was that Facebook was responding to Rob Flaherty at the White House, telling him, hey, we've got this under control, don't worry. We've been told we really shouldn't stop people from talking about their vaccine injuries on Facebook because they need to have somewhere to have an outlet and it can't be proven false because it's their experience. But we're just making it so that nobody can see it. And I'm like, and they they banned all of these support groups. And I know I was a, a good friend of mine. I've been warning him, get your people off of Facebook and get them somewhere else because that is all some folks have. Can you speak to the power of those groups?
2: Yeah, it's, it is. There was a woman who thought she was so alone that she had a reaction and she'd had six months and she couldn't handle it anymore. And she had um, she had already arranged uh, humane euthanasia in Sweden or Switzerland or somewhere. And she had her plane ticket and she was just ready to go because she had been living horribly, miserably for almost a year and thought she was totally alone. And the week before her plane ticket, someone introduced her to one of our support groups and she was blown away. She was like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. I really thought I was the only one. She ended up canceling her trip. She ended up not doing the euthanasia. And she's just one person. Like it really has saved lives, just not feeling alone, but also were each other's medical help. Like people are like, what are you doing to help? I'm doing this because doctors don't know. And there's a lot of doctors who don't believe us. Yeah. So we also become, like we're not, none of my, I am in mean, like two or three groups, and none of them bash the vaccine, like we're not even allowed to bash the vaccine in the group, because we don't want to get kicked off Facebook and stuff, we're like, we this is not political, we're not saying bad things, this is to help each other, so we help each other, we talk about treatment, we talk about what have you done, did you try this, did you try this, and that's how people are learning how to treat, because the doctors don't, a lot of doctors don't know what to do, so it's, so it's vital
0: but that is that is the that is the real thing that comes out in all this that it is political it may not be partisan it's uh you know when you talk about party and and uh and special interest there's a lot of bleed over from different groups but it is highly political the way that they the way that that censored the way that people are essentially bribed to go out and uh and and um the the carrot all the carrots on the sticks that were that were dangled out there for people to go out and get injected but the the slander the bribery and then the the suppression of all this in the media afterwards it's it's all pointed in one in one direction it may not be classically partisan though there's uh there's definitely different concentrations of that too but man it's very it's very hard to separate politics from this
2: yeah, you're absolutely right. I know. And it's so funny cuz like as I talk about it I'm like the left, the right, or the anti-vax, the pro-vax and I keep trying to not use words that put people in groups. I know.
0: It's it, I, I, this is what we have to do in so-called alternative new media all the time. It's try I feel like we're always and we have to stop doing it at some point because it's just it's just pointless. We're fighting a, a war here and uh, and we have to stop disclaiming ourselves constantly. You know, it's a uh, it's it's a trap that we're all in at this point.
1: Frank, I think that um, your microphone is your webcam mic is actually the mic that's being picked up. If you could check that, really? Yeah, you sound like you're in a tin can. Sorry, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're loosey goosey here. We're we're pretty free flowing. Um, so when you set out to make this. Obviously, you want to make it so that everybody can can watch it. Obviously, you're going to come across people from all different viewpoints and ideologies. What did you? How did you do it? Like, what are you thinking? And you know, you're an artist, but you're not a strategist. Quote, right? So, how do you how do you do that? What are you thinking?
2: Yeah. So it was this. It came out of as so I said this need to create this need to tell the story because no one's listening to me, so I'm going to tell it. But I was like, you know what? This is going to be really boring. Like who wants who honestly who wants to watch an hour and a half or an hour documentary about people's vaccine injuries? And it's like only a small group of people really do. And even those of us who understand and know vaccine injuries, watching an hour and a half is a, is kind of a bit much. Uh-huh. So I said, I know I can't have a lot of talking head interviews. So how do I make this interesting? How do I make I mean, I thought about that forever. And then I was like, maybe it it just won't be good, but I don't care. I'm going to make it because I was just like, I don't know how to make this interesting, but that's my goal. And the first thing, the, the most obvious thing was that I have to make this personal. Um, I have to make it about me. I have to tell my story and I have to take the audience on my journey because my journey was really, really interesting. And my journey isn't just the vaccine injury journey. It's the political, as Frank said, it's the political journey where I started out, very, uh, left, um, very liberal and realizing, realizing very quickly that like a lot of my liberal friends, like couldn't even hear me talk about my injury and couldn't even hear anything bad about the vaccine. And I was constantly having arguments with people close to me just to listen and like, well, this is a problem. And then they're like, well, it's a public health issue and it's rare. And I mean, but just not, and they didn't know. And that was the thing is I was so obsessed about this like those of us who've been in this like we delve in you find out this you read about yeah. this you know doctors so i'm like you know what don't argue with me because you have you're you're not as obsessed as me like you don't know the information yeah like could you just listen to my information and they wouldn't so so that was like so but i also think it's a really interesting journey you know i ended up at an anti-mandate rally i've ended up with trump supporters um you know like supporting me And and a Trump supporter, I I hate to say that. I'm not saying that in a bad way. There was a time when that was a bad way, though, in my mind, a little bit like Trump supporters are a little. And then I got to a place where I'm like, wait, what else did I think? What else did I believe that, you know, that is not true? And is it is it possible that Trump actually isn't even as bad as I thought? Because I started to see how the media has swayed everybody's mind and especially with covid my my liberal friends were so brainwashed by the media that i just started to see the brainwashing of everything and so that's part of the movie as well um is me making it my personal vaccine injury journey but also making it my personal kind of political journey. And I'm not saying I didn't go from left to right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, it's not that. It's just that I started realizing that these labels and you just can't trust anybody and you have to question everything. And so that was how I made the movie. And that was my thought process. It's
1: not even left versus right anymore. It's truth and and light versus horrible, evil, and dark. I don't even look at the political sphere in terms of party anymore. I, I don't.
0: Well, it, it's self preservation.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it's um. I mean, what we're, we're, we're talking about when I watch this uh th- this video, I mean it, it's a, it's a harrowing harrowing video, and it's really just about you know I, I had this conversation on my on my show not too long ago again when we had a caller that that told me about uh, a really rough year that she's having death in her family. I had a really rough la- uh, year last year, and when you go through these life or death situations no matter what brings it on you really start seeing what the most important you you don't care about who the hell the speaker of the house is anymore yeah. when people in your life very close to you are are in serious or you when you when you when you're a parent and you're you find you're struggling to be able to hold a child um when you when you're a parent and you're watching a child suffer like a, a, this is it, it becomes a life and death self preservation thing so I, I think that some people who are or most people who are unaffected by uh what jennifer has has put out there and and the kind of stories that she's trying to get heard when most people are unaffected by that it's very hard for them to disassociate the um uh, disassociate from that very binary way of thinking politically about things and you're you're that that wall gets torn down when your perspective changes away from this, this shallow farce that we're always living through.
2: That's yeah, that's such a great point. And it's even like people saying, so I was told, so I've been trying to get this to left-leaning people and I finally did my big Facebook posts, but I didn't want to, because I don't think that's the way to approach this on Facebook, but I did one and basically a few people on the left who i you know, have watched it and they voiced concern and actually somebody like approached my sister and was like, I'm really uh, nervous about your sister in this movie she did. And she's really discrediting herself. She said, I went I went to her website and she's really discrediting herself. I mean, she was on Epoch Times. She was on Fox News. She's doing all this right wing media. It's really making her look bad and uncredible.
1: That's terrible.
2: Yeah. And so it's like right. And you had said, like, who's the speaker of the House? Who cares? Like, so I've had this whole internal dilemma of like, how do I handle press for this movie? no left-wing mainstream media will touch this so far. I mean, you know, no one will touch this. So if I was just to say true, that, like I'm not going to do right-wing media, one, I wouldn't be doing any interviews and nobody would see it. But two, I'm not even doing right-wing media. Like that's the crazy thing. Like, so Epoch Times I did, which a few people on the left were like, don't do Epoch Times. That's going to discredit you. They're super crazy right-wing fanatic. Um, And then I asked, I asked this person, well, what are they? And they told me a few things like Falun Gong and blah, blah, all these things. So before I did the interview with Epoch Times, I talked to Jan, who's one of the founders of Epoch Times. And I said, hey, my people are telling me not to do this, that it's dangerous. And we had an hour and a half conversation about their politics, my politics. And he actually said, you know what, I'm going to give you a free membership to Epoch Times. And if you find anything that's crazy, wacky, extremist, right, let me know. I will take it down. Because this is, that's not who we are no. and this actually your campaign. So, yeah, I spent an hour and a half time. They're not the only ones. Other ones, I'm always very clear about my politics, and I'm very clear, like, I'm not going on to be political. I'm going on to spread awareness, and everybody is fine with it. Yeah. And so I'm being really conscientious, but someone's just seeing that I'm doing And Epoch Times has done some of the best coverage of, of the best coverage in COVID. So I'm just like, how do I turn these people down because I'm afraid that the people won't watch my movie because they'll see the press I've done. They're
1: not watching it anyway, honestly, Uh, which is sad, but I want to hear more about your journey because you said it was really interesting. Tell me, tell me everything that you feel comfortable telling me I want to hear all about it.
2: Well, so there's a lot of aspects to my journey and my journey is still happening right now. So journey, I talked about a little bit like left to center or I don't want to say something like just different. But seeing the world and then realizing the world I saw is just completely not true, so then you start questioning everything. So you know, as you and that's why the movie Anecdotals, is about questions. And I ask questions. And if you notice, like all of the times I'm interviewed in front of the white uh, the white studio, I end. I try to end every single thing with a question. Yeah um which is really great and it was actually uh, josh style who's one of my producers because he like watched every cut from the beginning and he's not even a filmmaker but he gave really great feedback and we both liked the way russell brand always kind of puts questions out there too and yeah. like he josh brought that up and i was doing that already but he kind of honed it for me where he was like no i like that you're asking questions so then i went and i rewrote everything in the form of questions and i like that that happened so it, it's a lot of asking questions and so i'm also it's really weird so like my honest like the honest answer of like how's my it's crazy that i'm so i start questioning everything so i'm questioning masks masks seem obvious right well they seem obvious if you're just kind of you know going around as soon as you start asking questions you're like ah, okay so then you start questioning like everything and realize like stop believing things that you see so there's that political There's also been like to be totally honest and I don't know if you know there's a racial component to this, because I'm a black woman. And um, so now I'm finding myself in places I grew up in the Midwest. And, you know, hopefully everybody's open-minded enough to hear this conversation that I'm about to have. I'm just no, speaking. No, one, no one's going to be upset. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> like, I'm speaking honestly. But I grew up in a place where, you know, the people who called me bad names, and I grew up in the Midwest, and I've definitely been the butt of racism and to my face. And I remember when I was in kindergarten, I was told, you're ugly. You'll always be ugly. Your skin is black. Your lips are black. That makes hmm. you ugly. I was, like, by a, a fellow kindergartner. And I've never forgotten that, right? So American flags in your yard, to me, um, are a little scary, and they always have been. You know, um, coming from where I've come from, and then I find myself at the anti-mandate rally where it's all American flags, and I'm like, are all these people racists? You know, like it, it's just an uncomfortable discomfort. It's a discomfort, and this is like it's a discomfort. And then, as I'm doing interviews, even I know I'm reaching a lot of extreme right wing people who are racist, some of them, not all of them. I mean, and not probably not even as many as I thought were. Like, I'm also questioning myself and realizing, like, I've been fed this and then I've used my experience to create my reality, but there's a lot of different realities.
1: That's real quick to touch on that. I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's something that. For you, like that's something that was inborn almost in you because you were, uh, you know, exposed to it at such a young age, it became a part of your worldview. So people, people who've experienced stuff like that will tend to see it everywhere, even if it doesn't necessarily exist there. And I personally, am not expecting all of a sudden one day for, you know, a light to go off and for you to be like, oh, maybe that, you know, it's not that easy. It's going to be a process. Um, and people need to understand that everybody has their journey through that. Like I've met, I've met people who have had bad experiences with people of color and that makes them feel a certain way, but it's only one person. It's the same way as if you had a bad experience as a person of color with a white person, you're going to, it's the same thing. It's, it's the way we view the world, the way we view each other. And I think that as you learn this kind of paradigm shifting reality that happened to you. You'll you'll start to change those views because you'll see things in a different way, and so that's all that anybody can ask for.
2: Yeah, and that's the point, right? Isn't the point of being a human to evolve? So, and it's fun to evolve, and it's fun to question, you know. But then every now and then, I'll look in the comments, I'll do podcasts, and I'll see some racist remarks, and I saw this one. Uh, I'm stunned racist. about
1: that actually because yeah. we typically don't conduct ourselves that way, so.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, so I'm, I'm like, you know, it's there. Like I do, I know it's there, but it's probably not as prevalent. But I mean, so that's just part of my journey is like, here I am talking to a group of people that like a lot of times I'm not even super comfortable with like, with, I mean, and, and it's not like, I, and it's not a white black thing. It's more of a extreme conservative um I don't know, like I, I'm saying stuff. It's just, I'm no, still feeling fine. it. No, it's fine. Look,
1: you you lived your most of your life yeah. thinking that we were crazy lunatic nutjobs that wanted to destroy everything. And then <laughs> now all of a sudden you're thrust in front of a group of us having a conversation. You're like, what the hell is going on? I mean, that's got to be, it's got to be well, crazy. And the, <laughs> yeah.
2: And people have ripped the movie and they've put it up on their own sites, which is fine. Right. It's great. More people see it. But there's a channel that is hosting this movie on a platform I won't even mention, but it's not like Rumble or Odyssey. But and um, I sometimes I look to see who's hosting the movie. I try to count how many views I've gotten, and there's no way to tell because it's up by like 200 different people. Mm. But there was this, um, and I like I don't want to give this person. I don't want people to go. Like I don't want to say the name because I don't want to people make to people go, go there. Right. They put they put the movie up. And the name of the channel had something to do with black people, but it, you couldn't tell if it was bad or good. And so I went and I opened it and I looked, and they didn't say anything bad about the movie, and they just posted it and people watched it. Nobody said bad, so I'm like, okay, great, they're hosting the movie, more people will watch it. Every other video on the channel is completely racist. It's, compa- it's videos comparing like black people to animals, like side by side. It's um, showing the difference between white kids and black kids, That's and it shows all these little it's insane it's like it's, i learned some things like i learned some things about the origin of black people from going to, that i didn't know
1: i don't <laughs> so, i don't i don't see you see what's weird yeah. about this and this is probably not the way we thought this interview was gonna go but it's great <laughs> i don't experience that like that kind of stuff doesn't enter my periphery ever so when someone like you says you know starts talking about racism i just in involuntarily go <sighs> typically like, all right, because I don't see it. I don't see yeah. it. I don't treat people like that. None of my friends treat people like that. None of my listeners treat people like that. Like, I don't see it. So it sounds like it doesn't happen. But clearly, it does. It does. And then,
2: yeah. In the comments of a the podcast, there was a guy. This is one of my favorite ones. And he put, uh, I don't remember. I don't have it totally memorized. But it was something like he called me a Black, African-American, Negro Who sounds like a white person is a little annoying because I sound like a valley girl, but at least I don't sound like a black person. Okay, and this is in the comments, and nobody in the the only person who responded to that in the comments was one person who goes, "Dude, (laughs) that was the one." Like nobody. So it's there, like it is there, but it probably not super extreme, but it's so I so that's you're talking about my journey. So here I am like crossing political, crossing lines, trying to bring us together, but also not 100% trusting that everybody is like genuinely open to hear what I'm saying. But I also don't care. I can't care.
1: The last I checked, um, the vaccine injures black people, white people, Hispanic people, German people, you know, whoever. It it doesn't discriminate uh, who it harms based upon what they look like on the outside. So
2: yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 cool though i mean i'm okay being uncomfortable but like i am in a very uncomfortable place right now (laughs) um and i'm not like i'm actually you know i'm actually biracial like my mother is half white and half chinese like i'm at, you know i've actually i'm used to being around a lot of different cultures so i'm not even like so maybe that's why i see it so much too because i kind of understand that i've seen it like my whole life from different people so were you like a big um, black
1: lives matter like BLM, you know, huge black, lives no. By- no?
2: no, Okay, so I never know. even, I never, under, I never, I mean, I definitely, I never liked, honestly, I never liked that slogan. I just felt like it was a little, um, I am a black, I am a supporter of equality and fighting injustice and that, but like forming groups and calling out slogans has never really been my thing. And I think it becomes virtue signaling. Yeah. Um, And I just think there's really ways to be truthful and honest about the change you wanna make. And it doesn't involve like joining groups and chanting slogans, it involves more doing things and understanding the roots and changing yourself. I mean, I went to the George Floyd, I went to, so I ended up on a bike ride and at a George Floyd riot in Manhattan Beach, uh, not a George Floyd protest in Manhattan Beach. It was a riot.
1: Most
2: of them yeah. were riots. Sorry. Yeah, a, a George Floyd riot. I'm already got I'm already like this the riot. But you know, so it's all white people in Manhattan Beach. And I'm watching all these white people in Manhattan Beach with these Black Lives Matter signs and George Floyd, you know, and I've, I've never seen anything like that before. But I just remember thinking this is this doesn't seem honest because the real issues are deeper and different, and like they're gonna come out. And so that's why, like, no, I don't get on bandwagons. I mean. On the day that uh, Netflix donated 120 million dollars to Black education in the name of Black, you know George Floyd and all that, um, so everybody's doing it. So headline: Netflix donates 120 million dollars to, to Black le- or to Black education. That same day, they turned down my movie that I had made, a great movie. They rejected my movie from Netflix because it's not what they're looking for. And i'm a black woman who made a movie in mexico it's the most diverse movie it's my story it's my truth and if you want to like uplift uh and end racism i think it's actually like showing us differently showing different stories showing the whole spectrum but because my movie isn't a typical black movie that deals with black issues it's about a black woman traveling in mexico mm-hmm. which you've never seen before they, it wasn't what they didn't even watch the movie. They would like watch 10 minutes. Like, That's not what we're looking for. Yes, yeah, they donate 120 million to black education. Like they have such an opportunity to make a change. Netflix, because movies and art really, really affect our subliminal psyche. And I think a lot of the reason like we're not critical thinkers anymore is because these movies don't make you think like we're we're taught and we don't want to think we want to watch something where we don't want to think we're we're told not to think we're told what to think. And so I have a smart movie that I made that challenges the audience to think. And think critically, and it shows Black people and Mexicans in ways you've never, ever seen them before in movies. You've never seen a Black woman traveling in Mexico in a movie who's not going to a bachelorette party. You've never seen them. <laughs> you know, Correct. This is how we do it. We change images of ourselves. Like, the, these are how we make the changes. Um, and the, the right changes, you know, the big virtue signaling, giving money, shouting slogans, like, I I don't care either way about any of that I'm just like if you really care do something
1: so even what you just said about subliminals and stuff like that I think the score that you chose for this movie is so perfect it's delicate it's it's not, I don't want to say it's upbeat, but it's not so overwhelmingly sad that you're like on the edge of your seat, hysterical. It's not so dramatic that you're, it's just like a nice little dance almost through emotions. How did you pick that score? I know it's a weird question, but it it means a lot in a movie and you could tell us what it means because. Yeah,
2: no, thank you. Um, So many movies tell you how to think by their score, even, right? Like, oh, now I'm supposed to be sad. Here come the strings. Here come the. So I'm very against that. But actually, I was inspired by Black Sabbath Orchid. Has this really, Black Sabbath has two songs that are like guitar instrumentals that i heard and i just loved it and if anybody knows like a black sabbath orchid it's like a one minute guitar piece and it's like it's like so beautiful so i got inspired so i started cutting the movie to i cut the movie to orchid but black sabbath but it's only a minute and i kept doing it and then i have an amazing composer who composed my last score his name is ben kolbeck and he composed the score from a great movie which is one of the most amazing things about in a great movie as well, besides the black woman traveling in Mexico, is the score. The music is beautiful. So I went to Ben and I said, Can we do something kind of like orchid, kind of like, you know? And I sent him the two songs. And, and he's so amazing that he's like, Yeah, sure. And then he adds his own test. And then he basically gave me like 10 different guitar riffs of different, um, different ways, like different. You know, different moods, like this is happy, this is faster. And then I took his guitar riffs and I placed them in the movie up and down, faded mm-hmm. in and out, and put them like kind of where they belong.
1: Um, you know, when I write, I I put music on too. Like that energy goes into your project when you're when you're doing it, if you're if you're musically inclined. Frank's a drummer. He could probably talk to you about that too. He he he's a drummer in what do you you call yourself a metal band still or no?
0: Hey, well, we've always been hard rock. Hard rock, heavy metal, but it's uh, it's it's uh, obviously evolved over the years. So yeah, but uh, I mean Sabbath is, I, I know what she's talking. I know Orchid. I know what she's talking about, yeah. and um, and the guitar work there. But um, but yeah, no, I it, it writing. I, I believe just like anything else, whatever you're creating, no matter what the medium is, you are uh, leaving an energetic imprint on something. And I think that when you, it's equally powerful to uh to pair music with things uh even if it's not going to be present in the end product the fact that it was there during the creation the creation um is i think it's very it's very real it's a very real resident um there's a residual there it really is
2: you agree yeah, yeah. I know I love it. I people never ask me about the music and talk about it. And I love it. I, I'm just like, hey, Um, I totally agree. Music is everything. And and as a as an artist, I'm always cutting the music or I'm finding and when I heard Orchid or Black Sabbath, so like that's always been in my head, like that is beautiful. I see that in a movie. I see that, you know, and then I lightweight tried to see wonder if I could get the rights. And I don't think they own the rights to I don't know. Whatever. I was like, I'll just we'll just Make do my something own. similar. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like i just but yeah no thank you it is residual yeah
1: can i get that anywhere cuz i would play that in in the background
2: oh uh, think about sell, just, think
1: about selling the yeah. score Seriously, yeah. beautiful. So, I mean, you should think about okay. that.
2: Um, Thank you. Thank you for welcome. noticing. I'm He'll be happy.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> uh, my other question for you about, okay, so you get to the rally. When did that happen along the way? Like, was that early in the beginning of the film's production? It, or, or filming? Was it at the end? How did that
2: happen? Um, it was in the middle. So I started filming January of 2022, and I gave myself four months to finish it because it was so timely. And it took six, in the end, it was a six month thing. So everything happened really quick. April was the rally. Um, brand Dressen from React 19, mm-hmm. she which is a group, React 19 is a group for Vaccine Injured and you can go to their website and find information and get help and counsel. you know, or... Um, anyway, she was really great when I told her I was gonna make this movie and she was, she tried to help me and she was like, we're, we're all showing up to the LA mandate rally, you know, you're there like, you should, you know, come, and, like, she helped get interviews and get people together, so that was, like, right in the middle. Everything happened. I started out with the Senate hearing, the Senator Ron Johnson Senate coverage stuff, and I would do that, and then I would think, what else? I only have enough money to do a few live interviews, Mm -hmm. Um, so I can't do the whole movie on Zoom interviews, though, and, like, archive or footage from the internet i have to do some live so i knew the rally would be a really good place to get live interviews because i could just get people in my hotel room um and get you know stuff there and then um so yeah that came and then so while i was cutting i'd be like what else do i need i knew i needed a doctor i was like i have to interview a doctor like like i don't know what doctor is going to be brave enough to come on and talk about this, but I did, I got a doctor, I did that in person. Um, but yeah, the mandate rally was was perfect. It was, uh, it came just in time. And uh, I went and just shot the whole thing. I had my cameras, you know, I did interviews in my hotel room, but then I just did the rest on my cell phone. And, and uh, it was pretty intense. It was pretty intense. <laughs> it, the, all of those
1: speeches were so powerful that, I mean, I can't tell you how many tears I've shed. Frank, I know, I don't know if you've shed tears, but we've been down this, Again, since the, the second these things came out, everybody was like, how could, how do you know? How do you know? I, because I just, I know the pharmaceutical industry too well. That's why I know. Um, and I know, you know, what it's like to release a novel therapy to millions, if not billions of people.
0: Although um, uh, well, the writing was on the wall with that, you knew that we were we were, we were careening toward disaster, um, especially if at that point your trust had already been properly broken, in anything that has to do with centralized government and centralized response to, to problems that are real or imagined, and I um, so I, I knew that we were careening toward disaster. I tried stop. I tried stopping m- many people in my personal life from 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 uh, buying into it. Only a few listened, and when it but when it came to that that was when was the um, the D.C. rally. That was January twenty two. Yes, that that where yeah. okay yeah because that was the first time uh, we knew what was going on. We were seeing the testimonials. We saw the suppression, but that was the first time that I I I was really able to. And I'm not a big rally person. I really am not a. I don't like. I've never been to one. Eh, well, kind of. And I have not. Uh, I I don't really tune into many. But watching that that day, I was putting together a, a cabinet for my from my, uh, my bathroom and I was, I was streaming it and hearing the testimonials and seeing people talking about losing their careers, losing their children losing their ability to just normally function. Um, Even the folk songs, folk songs that they, they don't, I, I, I I reconnected again with the importance of folk music at that point, because I'm listening to people putting their anguish into songs, sometimes writing songs and then passing it on to other musicians to play it for them because they no longer can play their instrument. (sighs) And I, and and it became so, uh, it it was so heartbreaking and it became so much more uh, I was so happy that it happened. And that is, I think, where the the whole concept of this this form of isolation where you can you can just lie to people and you get them to do something that was against their best interests and then to put them into complete isolation. When you hear about that, obviously, the fallout is one thing. But when you start getting into suicides and the things that people only do when they feel like there's absolutely no other way to to deal with an issue and they feel absolute uh hopelessness it's a um it hits you on on far deeper levels and then that's when i start feeling the rage i start feeling i start feeling rage because there's no there's no uh there's no restitution there's no there's no money there's no checks that could be written people need to be put away for a very long time um if they're allowed to stay on the planet at all i mean i'm i'm i am uh angry my my mind goes to dark 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 places
2: yeah and because so two things about that one is well, if you look at the uh, the whole oxycontin thing where the uh sackler family they were actually found guilty like they were su- they were fined and nobody even went to jail so talk about so talk about like restitution like ugh, i can't see it coming unfortunately yeah. and they need people need to go away for a long time but like it's already like been proven and it doesn't happen I was wondering Frank actually you said that you um tried to tell people in your life like warn them about it how did you do that like how did you approach them like I uh,
0: did there was no there was no kid gloves can no kid gloves I uh for example there was one of my um somebody very close to me in my in my in my uh my family I just said listen I know I, I know you're probably thinking about getting one of these shots please uh, please just just hold off I I I mean I what am I going to do ultimately this is the problem that most people have that we have been separated from we've been separated from the rest of society in the way where you have the Anthony Faucis that go out there and literally say I represent the science if you deny me you deny the science when we, there's a dichotomy like that that is created when frank your cousin your son your friend for 30 years the, the you know the, the the loud mouth in the back of the classroom that used to get you detention gets in touch with you and says don't do whatever the science is telling you to do who's going to listen i mean very right. few people will i i knew that the chances of getting listened to were were are nil. So I didn't even try beating around the bush. I just I said, listen, just don't just hold off. Don't do this. And in many, many, many ways, I just was not even answered. And now uh, you know unanswered text messages, unanswered phone calls, uh, you know, silence when I bring it up in person. And uh, many of those people are on to shot number five right now. And I, I don't know what the future is going to bring for them. Because uh, for some people, uh, shot number one was enough, as you are testament. But it's just, it's something that we all face.
2: Yeah. And that, and like that anger that you have is so, and that, I mean, the anger that people have is so understandable. And I guess that's another place where I am with this movie, with anecdotals and with really trying to cross the line. It's like trying to make everybody happy. But like, I, there's so, there's a lot of people also who... On the, who knew it and are angry? They're angry with how they were treated. They're angry with the lies, and then they're mad that now people who are they, they think now people who are injured are starting to whine because it affected them. But before that, they didn't care, and they're stupid and they're morons for even well, getting vaccinated.
1: Yeah, that's an issue. I, I've 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 talked about that, and it's very it's hard because from the people that didn't take it and were warning, right? The perspective is we risked everything to stay unvaccinated. We gave up our jobs, our pensions, our livelihoods, everything to remain unvaccinated for you so that the the choice would still exist. And you did everything in your power to hurt us, right? There's an us versus them mentality. My whole thing is there needs to be an absolutely overwhelming and abundant burst of compassion for folks in your position because there is zero way that we can heal from this or change anything if we're just fighting with each other you need help you don't need to be told i told you so right now there how are we going to like how are those of us who are not physically affected by this have, I feel like, a responsibility to help those who were. Like, that might be just my empathetic self-speaking, but there's no, there's no path forward with more division. And just like you're waking up, right, to realize, mm. which I'm going to ask before we end. We have 10 more minutes. I have a question for you I need you to answer. It might be a little weird. But just like you're just waking up, there are millions of other people like you. Have you met people like that who are just like, holy shit, nothing I knew is actually true. How many people have you met in your travels that way?
2: So many people and it's it's amazing and it's actually invigorating somebody came up to me after a screening and was like, I'm in the same place as you you know I I was I was hundred percent Bernie Sanders and I was this and now I'm here and we we're at this kind of conference with a lot of mixed you know people. And he goes, but you know what? I'm loving it. I love it. It's invigorating. Like it's, you know, and it's true. And this is our wake up, but I think everybody has a wake up, different issues. Like there's things we all believe that we could all ask questions about. And just, you know, the media on both sides feeds us lies and manipulation. And when you are brave enough to wake up and start questioning what you believe. And, um, For those of you who knew about the vaccine all along, great, you knew, but I bet there's something in your life you could wake up about. I mean, maybe even our conversation about racism might make you think, okay, maybe I need to relook at how I judge the people who think there's so much racism or, you know, like just start asking questions and your world opens and it's invigorating and it's evolution. And like for those like that's what life is. You want to evolve until you die.
1: And then we can stand next to each other and we can we can affect the positive change that we need to be able to make it through this absolutely hellish experience that's happening right now from our government around the world i mean yeah it's yes so 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 i was very i am very good friends with brandon strock from he founded the walkaway movement a couple years back which was when he started realizing he's a gay hairdresser from new york right and he started realizing that everybody around him was so hateful and he was basically shown a video clip that kind of made him start questioning like you. He wasn't physically injured. He didn't have something catastrophic happen to him, but he just started looking around. He made a video to walk away. Same exact movement from back then is happening again now. It used to take decades for stuff like this to happen. Now it's months, months. How are you handling your health? Do you have like the docs telling you now what you should be doing to clear the spike from from your body and-
2: yeah, I've gotten a few things, and at one point I thought I cleared it, but then I had a big flare-up, and since I've uh, released the movie, I've been flaring up again, so yes. I'm like, I guess it's still there. So I'm making another appointment with my naturopath doctor, because these are the ones that I see, and the ones that you have to pay cash for because they don't accept insurance, and they're the ones that believe you and who are trying and reading. Um, any of the mainstream doctors that I've experienced are, are no help at all. I also have horrible health insurance so i only spent minimal time trying to do that route because i knew i was just it was a lot of like waiting and and stuff but yeah i'm trying to figure out my like i keep hoping honestly i keep hoping it'll just go away and my symptoms are mild enough that i can be blind sometimes and be like okay it's not that bad i'm not that bad that's kind of where i manage my health because i have the luxury of trying to pretend and just you know scratching an itch here and there and feeling some poking but like ah eh, move on with my day yeah. and that might be a good thing because maybe I should be really trying to absolutely clear it because it's still damaging me somewhere um
1: not like i don't know the two girls wasn't Maddie and there was another young girl that were sitting at the table trying to give each other a yeah. high five and yeah. joking around about the tremors because yeah. what else are they supposed to do
2: right you end up i remember brie was like oh you know when she was telling me about the mandate rally and she's like come you know we're all going to meet in the you know we'll be in the hotel room like we all get together and that's actually really great it's kind of like a summer camp like everybody who we nobody has to say a word we all know what we're thinking and feeling and we've all been through it but then she made a joke and she's like i mean we get really tired and we only last so long like, we end up just pretty much all laying around in a hotel room together it rusted like laying down <laughs> literally because <laughs> you know you can only take yeah, literally, like, lying around. In- <laughs> it's it's so You got to find the humor. I mean, yeah.
1: auto Autoimmune. Yeah. It's autoimmune, and it tires the hell out of your body. It really is autoimmune, I think, a lot of it. And, you know, so you've got COVID under your belt. I will guess I'll ask you this question to, to wrap it up. And I want to have you back again because this is a really cool conversation um, that I'd like to continue. Okay. Of all the things that you have learned along the way what's something you're still wondering if it's true or not that you haven't yet had the time to research
2: okay wow that's a great question so something that i'm still wondering if it's true or not and so the mask thing like is something that hasn't sunk in all the way no i don't wear masks i don't believe they really work however i found myself about three weeks ago covid positive Mm -hmm. With very few symptoms, mm-hmm. like, and I had to continue. I was out. I was not home. I was traveling. I had to continue with my day. It's like and so. Complaint. I'm like, yeah. It's like a cold. <laughs> but I'm like, if I go out in public and I'm talking to people, and I know I'm COVID positive, shouldn't I at least wear like a good N95 mask and wear it tight? You know, try to do it the right way to at least not. Like that's the one thing. Like I'm all about like no masks. Don't I understand how they don't work? But I also understand if you know that you actually are have have a sickness. Doesn't it help? Couldn't it help you a little bit to wear a mask in that situation when you know you're positive and you're going to talk to somebody who doesn't know you? are You know,
0: I don't know. That's where I I still. That's one of the.
2: Are you a spitter? I don't think. I don't think. I don't think so. That's just
0: that's just just part of the trauma of the last three years too. Because think about having a cold. Thinking about having a cold or a flu, it, uh, th- four years ago, it was, it was either okay. I I can make it. I, you know, you could either you have enough strength to get to CVS and pick up some Robitussin. You get back, and if you see somebody, you know, you just go, hey, listen, I'm not feeling too good. Don't I got a cold? Don't get too close. Oh, okay. Well, I'll talk to you later. Okay, see you later. And then if you had a flu and you're just on your ass, I mean, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to go see grandma and grandpa that day. You're not going to school. I mean, we self-regulated pretty good, but we were just, we were the shit, we had the shit shocked out of us. And now if we have a sniffle, it's like, should I put a space helmet on? No, it's like, I know.
2: it's just, but what do you do? Like if you, I mean, and I was actually around my 83 year old dad and his, and his wife who are, who both had surgeries and they're both very sick. So, and I was around them and I knew I was COVID positive and I'm like, yeah, I know. It's like, that's just the, the I mask wouldn't have done
1: anything other than make you yeah. feel better. And yeah. maybe if that's, it that's makes 400%. you, maybe if it makes yeah. you feel better, you just do it. Cause it makes you feel better.
2: It doesn't make me feel better. I feel stupid, but I feel like there's like a 1%, I guess the spit factor or something that I'm not, you know, around but yeah, that's just the, I do. I am on the same page of you guys as the mask thing, like for the mo- for the most part. But I'm just like in those extreme. I know I'm positive, and I'm a, maybe I shouldn't be around my 83 year old dad or whatever. But it just so happened that I was, and until I could get away, and then should you get away? I don't. know. But that's what I, I don't it's, know how to act.
1: I, I God, this is terrible. What they've done to us is absolutely disgusting and terrible. Because we're all sitting here empathizing with you. Honestly, we really are. Yeah. Say what you want. Be the most you know, abject COVID denier, like it's nothing in the world, you know, if you were positive and you're positive and you know it, and you're around your 80 year old father, you're going to be like, Oh shit.
2: Yeah. Like, Like, what am I doing? Should I, so that really confused me because I thought I had a stance, but then when I was like, and he's very, he's, he's had heart issues and his wife does too. So like, they're not the healthiest. And, but what was really interesting is, and I know we have to go, But the fear of death is something else that has come up in this whole thing and in the whole COVID thing, where I remember my doctor said to me, you know, a big part of the problem is we're so afraid to die and dying is a part of life anyway. Mm. And so we use this fear. And it was really interesting. when It's a whole longer discussion than that, but it took a while for that to kind of sink in. And then even with my dad, my dad and his wife, when they found out I was positive, they were like, go in the basement, stay in the basement. And I said, no, I'm going to just go to a hotel because I just don't really want to be around you guys at all. Like, I'm going to go to a hotel. And my dad literally was like, you know, I'm tired. If it's my time to go, let it take me. And it, and he's tired and he is tired. Like he's old and tired. Like And, so, and his wife has dementia and his life is like, ah, oh, enough, yeah. you know, so not in the best so to be able to say that and I think that's something we could all think about too is it's like you know death will come for all of us and so do we live with the fear or is this what takes us is this can we control it and not having that fear kind of helps us be a little more rational
0: as well
1: why you gotta spring that on me at 57 minutes and 20 seconds
0: (laughs) well that's that's that that, that's the whole that's the underlying issue with, with it all um we we have had we have had our allegiance and 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 our, um, our our spirit detached from anything that is far more eternal than the whims of of government. Government is God. Um, the, the this is that we were told all the time by by secularists and modernists that uh, we have this is our life right here, and it's a uh, it's a heaven or a hell, and there's nothing afterwards. So people who have had the have had this uh this in this internal connection with the divine and the eternal severed in many ways just completely just just sterilized out of them there is i mean it's it's like if this is it then i guess the goal is to stay alive stay conscious for as long as you can and if 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 you that means that you have to wear a mask to be able to get a couple of more loveless years out of life, just to be able to be here. I mean, this is. I think the decisions that people are making. They don't put a lot of stock in what what happens to us when we die anymore. We're very, very afraid of death. We're very afraid of everything, and we we are lacking in faith. And um, and that's not to say to have faith is to live recklessly, but it's uh, it definitely allows you to to live life a little bit more. Uh, this is not a There's a difference between living and breathing and and a lot of people are just breathing now. They're never coming back. I,
1: I want I want to hold you for an extra minute just so you can tell everybody to close out why you made this movie. What was your goal? Why'd you make it? What message do you want them to take and how do you want them to present it to their friends and family?
2: Okay, great. So first of all, the movie is for free. And I didn't make that clear yet. But it's for free on the website, anecdotalsmovie.com. You can watch it for free, which is actually the link to it on YouTube as well. It's on YouTube. Um, So the main thing is that there are people sick and dying right now there is somebody in three weeks who's going to commit suicide because they can't handle this anymore. So like you said earlier, if everybody could just you know not try to be right or wrong and take your hatred away. And even if you're rightfully angry, if our goal is to make a change, then we need to all find compassion because, and the change needs to be, there are people who need help right now. So please, and how that change is gonna happen in my mind is by crossing over, not being in the echo chamber where we all think the same thing and we can be angry together. It's getting the people who actually have been duped by the media and duped by, you know, to helping them wake up and not everybody will. This movie I made for that. So if you have people in your life who do not listen to you, who you've had arguments with, please ask them to watch this movie. And what I say is if you don't think they'll watch the whole movie, you can say to them, please watch 10 minutes. because and, and once you
1: titled you... it in a way that doesn't give away what it's about.
2: Yeah, like and say, promise me, if you love me or if you think you're open-minded, can you watch 10 minutes of this movie? Like Challenge people to do that. And then they can turn it off after 10 minutes. Hopefully they don't. But if they do, they cannot. you cannot unsee what you've seen. And the first 10 minutes show enough that is someone who wants to think that's all a lie in 3 months when their neighbor comes home with paralysis from their third booster they might click into something because they did see this 3 months ago and suddenly they start to awaken it might not happen right away but just having seen it starts the process so make them ask them to watch at least 10 minutes watch 10 minutes and you know and ask them like you have to do it personally you can't do a facebook post yeah. People don't, you know, you have to, I personally am sending texts to people. Hey, I made this movie. I'd love it if you watch it. I'm afraid to show it to people, but it's my truth. So yeah, anecdotalsmovie.com free, no ads, easy to watch and, uh, and share it. Cause that's how I do believe this movie can help make the change in people's minds. Like you said, I made it gentle. I, it's not an angry, like everything's horrible. It's like, Hey, let's just start asking more questions. Look at some things that are not right.
1: Yeah. God bless you for that and for what you're doing, and and God bless you for all our differences and our similarities and everything that makes us human. Because at the end of the day, that's really, really what's important. Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep in touch with you, and I know that um, anything I can do to help you out, please let me know because this is so needed and so important. And I have tears in my eyes because just God bless you for taking the leap of faith to make this understanding what could happen if you did and forging through it anyway. Like a lot of people don't realize that personal struggle that you probably are going through every day. So far right, crazy extremists, um, love you very much. And, um, you, Frank, do you have anything <laughs> like, to end
0: with? No, I'm, I'm very happy that you spent some time with us today. Thank you so much for your work.
2: Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. having me on.
1: Awesome. You have been listening to the dark to light podcast with,
0: Frankie Val on the drums and...
1: Beans! You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Also, make sure you check out the live show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Getter, and streaming on Twitter. And you can check out Frank's show every Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. at quitefrankly.tv. We will be back here on Monday.
2: Later.